Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Today we've got another instalment of Fan is Short for Fanatic. Today I'm joined by Braden. He's a mad Parramatta Eels fan and a mad New South Wales Blues fan. He's got a bit of a twist to him though. Unfortunately, he works for the great Billy Slater, so he's got a bit of insight there. This is a bloke that I love catching up, catching up with, a sensational fella, and he knows his footy inside out. Let's kick it off. Braden, welcome on. How are we, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Good. How's the day been? Yeah, mate, all travelling well. Now, of course, you're on the uh, Fan is Short for Fanatic podcast. You're a Parramatta Eels fanatic. You're also a New South Wales Blues fanatic. But, uh, mate, you're working for one of the opposition. What's doing there? <laughs> yeah, mate, I've, uh, I've linked up with uh, the, the one and only Billy Slater. Um, and yeah, working for him, mate, with a program called Billy's Buddies, um, which is an awesome program for boys and girls aged two to six, uh, teaching them the basic sort of hand-eye coordination and gross motor skills um, of the great sport rugby league. You must be winning a few games of touch footy down there just quietly. <laughs> yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah. It's not too bad. It's not too bad. I'd be a world beater down there. You might have to get me a jersey. <laughs> yeah, mate. No, we'll, uh, we'll size you up. We'll bring you down for a session, see how you go. Mate, obviously, Billy Slater, I mean, you're a New South Wales fan, you're a Parramatta fan. I mean, Slater's broken your heart for the last 10 years. <laughs> He's broken your heart in grand finals. I mean, yeah. it, it must be a bit polarizing for you. Yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Obviously, um, 2016... He was um, in, in the prime, obviously, like he, he's had his shoulder issues and things like that. But yeah, I wasn't, um, wasn't, definitely wasn't afraid to hold back and let him know that I was a true blue. Had a bit of a laugh and a bit of a yarn about that. Um, but yeah, mate, he, he's a great bloke. Hey? He obviously doesn't hold that stuff against anyone. And he sort of is what he is. Very humble and very sort of easygoing. As you know, all he wants to do is sort of ride his horses on his days off if you follow his socials. He's, he's a fit little bugger, isn't he? Mate, he is ridiculous. Like when I first met him the first time um he's probably about my height like i'm not massive but just built mate like he is just huge and like he's been retired um for like two or two or so years now and like he's still cut to the grain hey like he i'm not sure um like i know he's obviously there with saint kilda and obviously doing a bit for melbourne but 
I wouldn't assume that he'd be out doing the 5K time trial with the boys. And, mate, he looks as fit as ever. Like, he's ridiculous. Mate, I'll, I'll never forget that, that 2017 season. You just saw him all season. He's just in the background of all the storm photos doing the rehab. And that incredible journey to, to finish that season with the Clive Churchill, amazing stuff. Yeah, it was, it was ridiculous, mate. Like, obviously, um, he had his first shoulder recon, then that first game back. The following season against the Warriors, Manu just crunches him, um, bang, gone again, and then just rehabbed it, rehabbed it, rehabbed it. And I said to him, I said, if like I um I caught up to him, I said, mate, if Melbourne make the grand final, are you coming back? And he said, no, nah, no. Nah. And then yeah, th- they made the grand final um, that that year. And then yeah, he didn't come back, stuck to his word, but came back the following year, mate, and just went bananas. Like he hadn't played for two years essentially, like hadn't missed a beat. Like you look at Valentine Holmes, hasn't played for two years, comes back. And you can tell that he hasn't sort of played. He's still finding his feet a little bit. Um, Billy came back and you wouldn't know. Like, he is a ridiculous athlete. He is incredible. Uh, mate, just a freakish athlete. And, like, I know myself from doing the podcast, you know, I, I, I get to interview guys that were my heroes as a child. And, you know, I, I, I sit down with five for five minutes and then I realize, fuck, this bloke, you know, he, he's just a normal guy and, and he's a champion yeah. fellow. I'm sure Billy was the same. Yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, um, like all of the coaches and stuff up here, that, that's the first thing they say, like they meet him. And obviously it's Billy Slater, you know, he's probably one of the top 10 most influential Australians across sort of our generation over the last 20 years, probably. Um, you probably go as far as saying that in terms of sport. Um, and everyone's kind of like, oh, wow. But then two seconds after the air clears, he's just like, hey, mate, what are you up to on the weekend? What are you doing? You know, he's just, he's just a normal bloke. Like at the end of the day, he's just a little bit, better than the than most people at football but apart from that he still fuels his car up the same way i do he still goes to woolworths the same way as i do they're just normal people mate at the end of the day that are just a little bit better at something than than the majority essentially i'll tell you what too mate just from what i've seen on instagram his kids they look fit as a fiddle too just quietly yeah 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 mate yeah the billy's buddies kids they're, they're good um throughout the session we're always speaking about um like like at the end of our session we call healthy habits so we're always talking about like what's a good lunchbox snack or personal hygiene or why it's important to brush your teeth i get emails all the time mate from parents being like um little timmy came home tonight and brushed his teeth and went to bed because coach luke told him to or i'm gonna eat all my veggies and get big muscles like coach rob like it's awesome mate like the feedback that we get or parents um leave us facebook reviews and write us awesome messages like i have the best job in the world mate giving back kids like playing with the kids in rugby league mate. i, I think it's the best ever mate coach braden might have to uh, give me a tip to eat some veggies just quietly <laughs> yeah mate um, in all yeah. sorts mate obviously <laughs> your Parramatta eels um i mean it's been a long time since there's been success there i mean yeah yeah i guess i could say it's been a lifetime even more <laughs> absolutely mate 86 long time ago long time ago i think um yeah, I don't, I don't really know where, like, the wheels fell off. Like, obviously, we came through the 80s with such a dominant force. Um, and then come the 90s, like, wow, here come the Raiders. Like, no one really would have predicted that. And Paramount kind of just not fell away, but you didn't really really hear. Like, everyone, everyone says, like, the NRL is going great when Para's at the top. Like, everyone loves Para, I think. But through that 90s period, like, yes, we went to the 01 grand final, but... And we we're probably the better team, and Newcastle came back. Probably. Us, but... <laughs> Best team of all time to not win a premiership. Unbelievable. Mate, tell me about it. I, like, I was born in 96, so I would have been, yeah, five or six at that time. Um, so I don't remember too much, but I've obviously, like, watched the game back. And, um, 
mate, we're up like 16-0 or something at half time. <laughs> and then you get beaten. Like, to make the grand final and be up 16-0, you shouldn't lose. Like, let's be honest. And I think, but like, from like what I remember of Parramatta, the sort of late 2000s and then obviously the teams and where we are to now, mate, it's got me frustrated, that club, so much. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a club by so many has-beens and by so many players that are that past their prime for ridiculous money is absolutely crazy. Like, I know, like, Brad Arthur's come in, he's sort of turned it around. But, like, the coaches that were there before him, mate, like Brian Smith, Daniel Anderson, just buying has-beens on ridiculous money. And I think they – I thought they thought Jared Hayne was going to be there forever, and I did too. You know, I thought he was Superman growing up. I thought he was the best thing since sliced bread. But, yeah, just in my opinion, mate, like, we were signing blokes like Chris Sando, 550000 like, yeah, he was all right at South, but couldn't tackle to save himself. And he was signing for 550000 And then we're signing Willie Tonga when he's about 39. Like, obviously 39 is exaggerating a little bit, but then you go and sign Carl Webb. And then you've got PJ Marsh. And then you've got Casey Maguire. And then you sign Essie Tonga. Like Chris Walker ben was Roberts. probably my favourite when he came down for a stint. Yeah, and then you got Ben Roberts, who you wouldn't feed. Like, we're signing all these players and they wonder why we've won the most wooden spoons. Mate, it's funny when you're talking about this, I'm sort of looking back to where Parramatta was 10 years ago in this period. You're talking about you're you're paying overs for guys that are past their best and you're just paying overs for everyone in general. And it reminds me of the Tigers at the moment. They're sort of in the same sort of bubble. And I mean, the NRL, it's not like other uh, competitions around the world, but there's a draft and and you can save your your entire franchise off one pick. When you're on the bottom... Mm it is hard to get off the bottom. And Parramatta, yep. I mean, whether you want to call them a premiership force or not now, they're right up there with, with the very best of them. They have done incredibly well over the last 10 years to, you know, come full circle, considering a guy like Hayne walked out of the door all of a sudden. Yeah, I think that's um, I think that's the thing that kind of potentially lifted the club. Like, I know a lot of people would say, like, Hainsey was a bit of a cancer at Para for a use of a better word. Like, a lot of people would say, he'd go missing, but then he's the best player in the comp. There's no better player in the comp than Jared Haynes off contract. But I think it makes actually maybe made the team go, well, Haynes, not here anymore. So who else is going to stand up? We're not going to, we're going to have a new leading try scorer. We're going to have a new try assist, hot, like leading try assist. We're going to have a new kick return meter eater. Like someone had to do it. <laughs> so I think that kind of elevated everyone. And then like Corey Norman came in, Kieran Foran came in, in came Pizzi. Um, a few of the boys and I think that kind of was the start of the rebuild with Brad Arthur um, obviously like Pete's got turfed which is a bit unfortunate and Corey Norman like how frustrated would he be he was there for four years and he had about 15 different halves partners Luke Kelly Kieran Foran Chris Sando Hainsey comes back like there was more he had more sevens next to him than you can poke a stick at can I ask you mate when, uh, when, when Corey Norman eventually did have to leave were you were you upset to see him go very Mate, polarizing that, character, isn't he? That's a tricky one. Like, I think Corey Norman, like, I've never met the bloke. I don't know him from a bar of soap. I think if that bloke focused on football and not the party life, I think he could be a world beater. And that's just my opinion. Like, he might love football just as much as anyone. But from what I see on socials and things like that, I think he, from what he, from what's portrayed of Corey Norman, he's obviously portrayed as this party bloke. He just wants to get on the beers and go to Bali with his mates. But I think, mate, if you put Corey Norman in the Melbourne system under Craig Bellamy, no bullshit attitude, 
I think you would see Corey Norman very, very close to the Dallium week in, week out. Mate, left foot kicking game, plays the short side, can slot fullback. I personally think he's a six. Like, get him away from Sydney, get him away from, like, all the rubbish, get him away from the party scene, send him up north Queensland, send him to Melbourne, get him away from the party, get him away from the boys, for use of a better word. Focus on football, mate. I think he could be anything, Corey Norman. Dare I say, mate, I think the party would follow Corey Norman just quietly. I don't think he's at the party. I think he might be the party. But, mate, I agree with you completely. I mean, the reality is with Normie is that wherever he has been, he has been surrounded by dysfunction to some extent, hasn't he? Yeah, like even down at St. George now, like is Ben Hunt playing half? Is he playing hooker? Like they don't really know who their fullback is. They got Dufty there and then they put Tristan Saylor in for a week and then they put Zach Lomax at fullback. Like I don't think he's really had the structure around him like do they have cam mckinnis at hooker or is he playing lock like who's feeding Corey the ball like the same when he was at para like i said before like the first year he had luke kelly at seven then they bought sando and then kieran four and then kieran left after 12 weeks and then they brought back someone and then the following year we finally signed mitch moses and they were perfect and then after that it all came out mitch and Corey don't get on i in my opinion how does that work they played so well mm. in 2018 and then in 2019, become second last or win the spoon or something. Like how it doesn't just change in a 12-month period. Obviously, something went on there. But they were saying that they're both they both ball dominant. They both want the ball. At the end of the day, the halfback runs the show. And as a six, in my opinion, you get the ball when you want it. So, mate, obviously with the Parramatta Eels, is Hainsey the all-time favourite for you? <laughs> yeah, mate. I'd have to say so. Hey, like I think, I think so. Like... All jokes aside, I think everyone loves a bit of fooey, fooey, moi, moi, just quietly. Um, but what about Hainsey, that try mate, on grand final day? <laughs> Far <laughs> out. Straight over the top, eh, big fella. I think, um, I think, um, I think for Hainsey, like, in my opinion, like, he could have been an immortal, mate. Like, everyone goes on about Billy Slater, Greg Inglis. Like, let's just sort of dive into Hainsey for a bit here. Like, what couldn't Hainsey do? Like, yes, Greg Inglis was big and strong. But did you ever see Greg Inglis kick 40-20s? Did you ever see Greg Inglis throw a 30-meter cutout and hit Luke Burt straight on the chest and put him over in the corner? Did you ever see Greg... I know Greg Inglis... You know, everyone jokes about Greg Inglis' field goal. But I've seen Hainsey kick a penalty... Like, we got a penalty, kick the tap, goes downfield, 40 meters out, mate, on the sideline. That siren goes to halftime, kicks a field goal. I've never seen anyone do that ever. I've been following rugby league for 24 years. I like, think with Hainsey, mate, I think that if you could give... If you could give me 70% of what he was doing in 2009 in every single game, I think he probably does push for immortality. But just think the reality was that if you take out 2009, 2014, and he wasn't in a sky blue jersey, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute, but yeah, you just weren't getting the same bloke. And I mean, when he was on, it was incredible. But the floor and the ceiling was just so far away from each other. And I mean, when we look at, you know you made that you're working for Billy Slater, like his floor and his ceiling, his so floor was a seven that. and his ceiling was a 10, you know? It's just, yeah. I, I, I if we could have got Hainsey to be, you know, his floor to even be a five and his ceiling to be his 2009, yeah. he's a different footballer. It's it, it's unfortunate for the game that we never really got him at his best for an extended, extended period. Yeah, and I think as well, mate, like, Come like I know he was obviously he comes through the para ranks. He grew up in Western Sydney, but there probably came a point in his life as well. And we sort of spoke about it before. Like the sides he was in, mate, were let's be honest, like reserve grade sides. To be completely honest, like I said before, like the the things Greg Inglis 
could do. Jared could do all of that. He could break four tackles and go the length of the field. He was big. He was strong. But like I said, you never saw Inglis cut out three blokes and put the winger over in the corner. And then Lincoln Billy into it. He probably wasn't doing that. Billy was almost the finisher. Jared could finish just as good as anyone, but he would set three tries up as well. And that's why I think Hainsey was so good. Like, yes, Darren Lockyer kicked through, and I think it was in 06 or 05 when Billy picked the ball up and scored off that freakish kick. But Hainsey was the one kicking it, you know. He was setting up everything. He was kicking, he was running, he was breaking tackles, he was scoring, kicking 40-20s, kicking field goals. I've never seen Billy Slater kick a field goal in his life. And I just think if you put Hainsey, like if you put Hainsey at Melbourne, and put Billy Slater at Parramatta in 2007. I'm telling you now, he's not winning the Daly M. Whereas if you put Hainsey in Melbourne, that's where I think the difference is. The side Parramatta had around Hainsey was, let's be honest, mate, it was it was rubbish. Like, I think if you put him in the Roosters, if you put Hainsey at the Bulldogs in their prime in 2010, 2011, when they got the big forwards rolling through, T-Rex, Casiano, Frank Pritchard, he could have been anything, mate. Honestly, that, that that's my opinion. Like, I, I think he was a superstar. It's hard to argue with, mate, but I also think with Hainsey that, you know, you talk about these fantastic systems like Melbourne and the Roosters, like, do you think they would have been able to put up with Hainsey? I mean, like, I speak to all these guys from Melbourne and they say you get down there and you've got to do two weeks' work where you're going yeah. on the construction site, then you're showing up to training. Like, from what I've gathered, and I know all the boys joke, like like, like, like Justin Horro and Finchie and stuff, Lazy but trainer. Hainsey just didn't train. From what yeah. I've gathered, you know, I wasn't at those sessions. I'm not here saying he's a bad trainer, but from what I've heard, they all joke about it because he always did perform on the weekends. But, mate, I don't think a Craig Bellamy would have given, given him a second look. Yeah. And with those systems, you just yeah, you can't yeah. let a guy slack off. It sends a message to everyone else, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think the thing with Hainsey, I think he was almost too good for himself. Like, there comes to a point, like, you hear so many players, like Joey speaks about it all the time. Like, talent only gets you so far. Like, you just rely on talent. And it's always the bloke that's putting 100% in that's going to get the result in the long run. Because it comes to a point where you don't need to train because talent, talent's got you there in under-14s, under-15s, under-16s, under-20s, under-21s, under-23s. Come to the NRL, mate. Everyone's big. Everyone's tough. Everyone's strong. Everyone's fast. Everyone's fit. So unless you train, you're going to get left behind. And that's almost a credit to Hainsey to a degree. <laughs> like, if he's not trained, like, I'm sure he wasn't missing weights and things like that. But, like... There's been, like, I hear Nathan Heimarsh talk all the time. He's on the Matty Johns show. And uh, there's been so many times I've heard him say, I've even tried to pull Hainsey in as the captain and say, mate, what can we, like, what do you want to do at training? Like, what can we do to get you engaged? Because when you're on fire, mate, there's no one better in the comp. So what, what do we have to do to get you on fire more often? They're, they're all say the same. You're just lazy trainer. And like you said, I don't know if that's milk and injuries. I don't know if that's him calling in sick. I don't know if that's him not wanting to go to weights or doing field sessions, but... Yeah, I think if he, I think he just almost, not not saying that he just relied on his talent because his talent was absolutely incredible, but I think if he had have put in that work, that's like, in my opinion, he could have been an immortal mate. The things he could do on the field was absolutely ridiculous. Mate, if you could take like the mindset of any of the big three from Melbourne and put it in Hainsey's body, it's probably the best footballer of all time, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely, mate. The fact that, I don't know, like, I don't know off the top of my head, six foot three, a hundred kilos, fast, built, and can do everything. You, Hainsey could have played lock. He played fullback, center wing, six. Like I, like, I know this week you've been going on about Brad Fittler. Him in any position, he's the best on the field. And I know you said we'll get into Hainsey at the moment, like in, in New South Wales. I remember the 2000, I think it was the 2011 World Cup. We go over to England 
and he's got Brett Morris um, outside him. Three games and scores nine tries, and he walks away from the tournament's leading try scorer. He's played three games at right centre, and Greg Inglis is in the left. Played three games, scored nine tries. Oh, That's mate, ridiculous. he was a freakish talent. You know, the other thing I remember about him, which I think people, they underestimate with him. Do you remember when they had that um, that sprint race that night? And you, yeah. had, you had Benny Barber, you had GI, you had all these superstars, and yeah. no one spoke about Ainsy. And once again, the freak got the job done. Yeah. Like, grow, growing up, mate, he did athletics. And I'm pretty sure he was like the under-18s New South Wales 110-meter hurdle champion. Mate, I like, think he was the under-18s New South Wales champion at everything just quietly. Yeah, he was like he was crazy. Like I'm obviously from Queensland. I was born down in New South Wales. I moved up here when I was two years old. So coming through like the schoolboy system, I didn't really like I don't know anyone coming through that sort of system. But from what I hear, like Jared Hayne could have played New South Wales rugby league, rugby union, athletics, soccer, basketball. Like like how everyone's carrying on about Stephen Crichton at the moment from Penrith. Like everyone thought he could have been anything like he, he his dad wanted him to go play basketball oh, sorry he wanted to play basketball or even Kalen Ponga like up here Kalen Ponga was a big thing like the Lions wanted him the Reds wanted him the Broncos wanted him he was with the Cowboys the Titans wanted him but with Hainsey man I think he made about 15 New South Wales rep side before he was 15 years old like anything he put his mind to he'd just achieve it and mate I guess you know the greatest compliment to him as an athlete is that you know he did manage to go over to the States and he actually got a roster spot in one of those sides and people sort mate. of People Mate. say, oh, he didn't play that much. But please, he went over to a different sport with athletes Mate. that are specifically trained for that sport. That sport is like a game of chess, and each position is a specific sport within itself. And Mate, he picked I, it up in six months. I like, I love Hainsey. I would stand up for Hainsey <laughs> to anyone. And I honestly don't think that achievement is anywhere near appreciated in Australian sport. It's not. Regardless, regardless of his history of being a lazy trainer, regardless of his history of, you know, whatever happened over there. But I think what he did, mate, to go over and in six months get signed, sealed, delivered. I'm not too sure if you watched his documentary on 60 Minutes. He went over there, mate. He didn't even know where he was staying the first night. Yeah. He said, we'll just book a hotel when we get there. His first training session, he said, what's it feel like to get here? He went to Walmart which is like Kmart over there, bought a football and ran into the beach to get tackled by waves. And I, yeah, I was ridiculous, mate. Like what he did, in my opinion, honestly, one of the biggest feats in Australian sport, like what he did was incredible. I don't think people actually realize and appreciate the NFL for what it is. Like I'm not a massive NFL fan, but I respect it from an athlete's perspective. Like I don't sit there and watch the NFL each week. I probably couldn't even tell you that, you know, outside, you know, Peyton Manning, Adele um, Beckham. I probably couldn't list too many more players. Than, like, you know, I know your basic sort of five, ten mm. top players, Cam Newton, things like that. But I think – but as an athlete, I can sit there and go, that bloke's talented or, he, geez, he's fast or he's strong. And what Hainsey did, mate, those players go through college, go through high school, start playing when they're six years old. Hainsey was there for six months. And, mate, the other thing about those players is – it's not like Australia where they're coming from a pool of 20 million people in the country. There's, there's 300 million people or whatever over there. <laughs> yeah. Like it's yeah. just, it's uh, mate. I remember at the time when he went over there, you speak about that um, 60 minutes doco and I, I haven't seen it myself, but I know when he went over there, uh, one of my mates, Darren Brown, who runs the Rabbitohs radio podcast champion bloke, he played footy with Manoa Thompson, Haynes, old man. His and old man. Yeah. I South. just remember him telling me like, 
the stuff that Hainsey was doing when he arrived there, and it just sounded like amateur hour. It sounded like he was just... It sounded really? like he was just waking up every day and deciding what to do on the spot sort of thing. It's it's unbelievable what he achieved. And yeah. The, to and the he, people that like want to tell me that it's it's not a big achievement, he only made the squad, like, I just... It's honestly played. the stupidest like opinion you could possibly have. And I think, I think, for what it's worth, a lot of people like to put shit on Jared just because, oh, you know... Everyone says he's overrated because he didn't perform week in, week out. And it's easy for those people just to say, oh, he's crap. What he did. Oh, he only played a handful of games. Man, he went over there. Three or four clubs wanted to sign him. He went for San Fran. Detroit Lions wanted him. I'm pretty sure New York Jets were interested as well. 49ers. So like three or four sides wanted him. Blake's never even played a game in his life, let alone run around, like in a game. All sides want to sign him. Like, as an athlete, mate, like, I've said it, like I said it before, and I'll say it again. In my opinion, he could have been an immortal, mate. Like honestly, what he's done in the game is absolutely incredible. Just an athlete, like could have done athletics, could have played rugby union, probably could have played AFL, probably could have played soccer. And to like, like I said, he he wasn't the most consistent player, but if he was consistent week in week out, like I said, Greg Inglis wasn't throwing thirty meter cutouts. Greg Inglis wasn't throwing field goals, kicking forty twenties. Billy Slater wasn't doing that. Billy Slater was scoring tries. Billy Slater never danced around nine blokes like he did against St. George and score under the post. Stewart, he was a good backup player, but you know, look at the manly side he was in. Kieran Foran, Daly Cherry Evans, Brett Stewart, Anthony Watmo, Brent Kite up front, Josh Perry, Ballon at hooker. Haynes, he didn't have any of that. Mate, he was doing it himself. Obviously, the consistency argument is the biggest thing that holds Hainsey back from that real greatness in the game. And, I must say, every time he put on Sky Blue, I'm not sure if there's ever been a more consistently fantastic Blues player than Jared Hayne. He just went to a new level every time. He, in my opinion, he, you would arguably say, like, I know he played most of his rugby league career uh, in in origin on the wing. Like, I know he played fullback and centre as well. And he obviously cut him, cut him in half and he finally broke him in 2014. But... As a winger, mate, it's got when when they put that side up for the best sides ever. I know exactly what you're going to say. Yep. How Hainsey did not oh. make that side has got me beat. Especially like when he, you consider Brett Morris. Like I love Brett Morris. Don't get me wrong, but you cannot possibly, based on Origin <laughs> performances, have Brett no. Morris in over Hain. That just no. that knocked me over. I couldn't believe that. No, no, God no. And like we can probably go into it a little bit as well. And like not just as a Parramatta fan, like. Well, we'll touch on Hainsey, but, mate, I wouldn't mind having a quick yarn about Brett Kenny, too, just quietly. Another um, one, very unlucky, and, geez, if he's not one of the next ones to be, if not thrown up constantly for immortality, uh, you know, if not make it, he definitely has to be right up there in the conversation, doesn't he? Like, I I miss Kenny at his at his prime. Like, I wasn't even born. Like I said, I was born in 96. He was in winning grand finals in 86. But... Everyone, everyone goes on about Wally Lewis. And, like, I've spoke to my dad about it. I've spoke to my pop about it. I've spoken to uncles and all that kind of stuff. Like, Wally Lewis has got the most ever man in the matches, like, in origin history. Like, going back and watched games where he's one man in the match. And to be honest, like, he was good. But I don't think – like, I know everyone up here calls him the king and everyone waltz on about Wally Lewis. But everyone seems to forget when Brett Kenny played six and Wally Lewis played six in origin, Wally Lewis never beat him once. Brett Kenny beat him every single time. Brett Kenny, like you said, like Brad Fittler, didn't matter if he was playing centre, didn't matter if he was playing six. Mate, he'd get picked to go away on kangaroo tours and they just had to pick him in the side. 
he went. He was the only bloke in rugby league history to take Wally's five eight jersey off him. They had to put Wally at lock. People people don't recognise that. Like he won three grand finals in a row and scored two tries in all of them. Over to England and wins the goes over to England and plays Peter Sterling in the grand final for the Challenge Cup. Wins that too. Have you watched that and, game, mate? I've seen the highlights. I've seen the twenty five minutes highlight package Incredible. on YouTube. And mate, like. That's like I know everyone waltzes on about England. It's pretty much reserve grade. But mate, back in the day, England was tough football. Like back in the day, England would go toe to toe with this. Oh, it was called Great Britain. Sorry, yeah. my apologies. They would go. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Toe to toe. And mate, he went over there and he just cut him to shreds. And he beat Peter Sterling in the grand final. And for what it's worth, I reckon there'd be an argument to say more people rape or rave on about Peter Sterling than Brett Kenny. In my opinion, and like I said, I didn't watch him obviously week in and week out. But from what I've seen, mate, I, I think he was better than Wally Lewis just quietly. The boss, Wally Lewis was tough. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not bagging Wally Lewis. I think he's good. I think he's tough. He was a great Australian captain. But... As a half, in my opinion, like especially a six, the ball skills, mate, he's show and go. And like I, like I said just before, the record speaks for himself. When he played 5'8", I and mean, when Wally Lewis played 5'8", in the origin, the toughest, most skillful 17 players from either state, Wally Lewis never beat him once, mate. So how good's Wally? Mate, Brett Kenny, he's one of two guys that I think he's done himself a disservice since retiring. It's him and Bradley Clyde that both... Oh, are mate, good enough to be immortals, quiet. but they haven't gone into coaching. They haven't gone into media. So they've sort of just blended into the background of rugby league. Whereas a Peter Sterling, you know, we've been watching him on yeah. Channel 9 for the last 30 years. He never leaves. You know, yeah, he, 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 he never yeah. leaves from being, the, being at the front of your brain. Same as yeah. same as Wally Lewis. You know, I'm, I'm sure living up there in Queensland, you would see a heap more of Wally Lewis or have over the last decade. But yeah. these guys like Brad Clyde and Brett Kenny, that they don't go into coaching. They don't go into media. They don't get spoken about, unfortunately. No. I mean, like you, you look at Joey, you look at Freddie, all these guys. Like they've stayed in front of us for the since the yeah. day they they've retired. They've almost stayed relevant. Yeah. yeah, it's exactly. And mate, it's it's a major disservice to them, in my opinion. Yeah, and like Bradley Clyde, mate. Like obviously he was in that great Canberra side, then ended up at the Bulldogs to finish his career. But like he, like I speak to my dad about that, those older sort of games, and he said, mate, Brad Clyde, like Canberra would kick. And then, you know, defend. And then the other side would kick. The fullback would hit up. Bradley Clyde would be the first forward back to have the first hit up. And then he'd take the fourth one as well. And he'd be the first forward back there every set, every set, every set. You watch the NRL today, mate. Like, there's forwards that don't get past the 40-meter line and yeah. think, oh, I'll just wait here till the, fo- till the other blokes bring it back. Bradley Clyde was the first bloke back there to hit it up. And Bradley then he'd Clyde hit up was playing 80 minutes too. Yeah, and, he'd play- and then he'd hit it up again on the fourth. Mate, he was incredible. And, like, I heard you on your podcast today talking about – I heard you speaking about the immortal status. Meninga, the immortal himself, said he's the best player he's ever played with. Mate, like, if, if that's not saying everything, I'll give it away. Exactly. And, like, he's obviously played with Ricky Stewart, Laurie Daly. Wally Lewis, the, Artie the, Beetson, the, Walters boys the list goes on. Yep. The Walters boys, like um, – like, um, 
my mind escapes him. The hooker, what was his name? Steve Walters. Steve, Steve, sorry, I was thinking Kevin. Yeah, and Kevin. The list goes on forever there. Gary Belcher, like just yeah, like at the back and like just unbelievable, mate. Like he, in my opinion, like doesn't get the raps. Like I know everyone yarns on about Jason Tamalalo, but like, geez, like it's it's completely different, mate. Like those were the days. Like forwards play eighty minutes. If you go off, you're not going back on. Like, and that like. The game today, you'd probably debate, is more skillful. But back then, mate, you're getting coat hanging. You're getting split. You're getting studs to the head, and you're not coming off. Like, it's tough, mate. It's and, tough football. And the other thing about um about Bradley Clyde, too, like, uh, mate, he the, the ball skills he had, mate, the ball he was playing with, it, it was a wet brick compared to the balls yeah. they're playing with today. Like, it can be pissing rain, and you can still hold it in one hand. Like, it's just a completely different ball game. I Yeah, it's completely different. As I said, if like, Brad Clyde was in commentary or coaching, he'd be an all-time great as far as everyone's concerned. Yeah, and I think, it, like, I think that's the hard part as well. Like, I was thinking today before I jumped on, like, the best player ever. Who's the best player ever? And, like, it's so hard to say. Like, in my opinion, it's Joey because he was skillful. But was he the best? Like, if you look at stats, like, does the best player be the best player ever because over a consecutive amount of games, they had the highest percentage wins? Well, does that make him the best player? Because he had the most wins, therefore he didn't lose. He was the best. But skillful, was Joey the best? In my opinion, yes. But Joey's not kicking it off, like running off the kickoff like Petro's hitting it up. Glenn Lazarus is hitting it up. Jared Weir Hardgraves is hitting it up. Completely different positions and completely different errors. Like, I know you said today that late 90s period. Like, mate, I, he- I heard your podcast today. You're talking about Trent Barrett. If you put Trent Barrett in the game today, he's the best halfback by a country mile. By far and away. By, by far and away. and away. Yep. And it doesn't matter if you're playing Trent Barrett at seven or six. Like, he was a gun. You put Matt Johns in the game today, too. He'd also be the best. They both just came along at times that were just surrounded by these all-time greats that it's like the old um, Stuart McGill syndrome coming in the same time as Shane Warne. Like, yeah. what are you meant to and do? Like, I think like it's, it's not a, it's not a discredit to anyone because I haven't played a game of NRL in my life. So who am I to judge? But in my opinion, like before Nathan Cleary came on this year, like you take him and daily cherry Evans out. And in my opinion, there's not much else to be honest. Like, and that's, that's just my opinion, you know, but like there's not much else, mate. You go back to the early 2000s, you could pretty much pick an Australian halfback from every side. And I, 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 off the top of my head, if you were to put Morley, Trent Barrett, uh, Craig Gower, Brent Sherwin, um, Finchie, I'd put Finchie in there too. If you were to put yeah, any, of, any of those Grace sevens. Anasta back in the day. Yeah, Anasta when he started, yep. Yeah. Craig Wing, if you were to put any of those guys into the modern game, they would be the best sevens in the game right now. Yeah. It's a, Matt Orford at Manly. Oh, the Ox, of course, mate. The the pure seven, it's 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 a lost art, isn't it? Stacey yeah, Jones, like, my God. Yeah, like every side had a gun. It didn't matter who it was. Like even the Broncos, mate, like up here, like, the Broncos, the Broncos haven't had a good halfback, in my opinion, in the last 20 years. Yep. Like, I think that's what's letting the Broncos down. You can have the forward pack to go forward, but you've got to have the polish too. Like, And obviously, Milford on a million dollars up here, in my opinion, is the most overpaid, overrated player in the NRL. If I was starting a franchise, and like this is no disrespect to Milford, I don't know the bloke from Bar of Soap. If I was starting a franchise, mate, talk about Hainsey inconsistent, I wouldn't pay anything more than 300000 for Anthony Milford. 
Mate, I, I, I think it's a tough one because when, you know, and, and they've obviously re-signed him since, which I think was a mistake, but when they first did sign him, you know, I could understand paying that sort of money for him because he looked like he was going to be this... Like, when he was yeah. down at Canberra, he was just this exceptional talent. Like, I, I thought he was going to be one of the greats, to be honest with you, but, it, yeah. you know, it, it, I mean, you, you don't know how players are going to respond to having money in their bank account until yeah. you give them the money, realistically. Absolutely. It's tough, Absolutely. like... Um, and and I always think, mate, like like you, you you say they haven't had a good seven for you know twenty odd years, and I agree with you. I think the best one they've had has been Ben Hunt, to be honest with you. And yeah, I agree. I I've think got a podcast a dropping tomorrow talking about Ben Hunt and how it's just become popular to bag Ben Hunt like that that two thousand and fifteen grand final. Yes, he dropped the ball. I understand that, but but he mate, got him to the game. Mate. Brisbane aren't in that game if it's not for him. No, Brisbane aren't no. uh, they. They would have been out four weeks ago without Ben Hunt in that team. He was sensational that season, and yeah. people just have these short memories, I, don't they? I agree, man. I agree. And like growing up, I played half, and like I, um, like I was saying a little bit earlier before the show, like I had um, a few things sniffing around rep teams and things like that. Um, but like my, my job as a half, like I didn't mind playing seven or six. I preferred seven. Like, kind of why everyone's sort of bagging Nathan Cleary. Mate, I wasn't getting four triceps every week, but I was just kicking the corners, kicking on fourth, turning the big boys over, kicking early, putting the ball out just to give the boys a break. Like, I think everyone's so caught up in the whole, um, oh, he, he wasn't a Jonathan Thurston and had three line breaks and threw three dummies and went through and put Gavin Cooper over to score two tries. He put Gavin Cooper in the West Tigers without Thurston. You never hear from him ever again. You, like, you, you didn't hear from Gavin Cooper. People forget he was at four clubs before he got to the Cowboys. Mate, and, and another one that I know is kind of steered off topic here, another one of that is Cohen Hess. Yeah. yeah. Don't Since get me JT's started. Since JT's left. Since JT's left, mate, he struggled to make the run on side. To be honest, he struggled to make the starting 17. Like, did you hear what he J- did before um, Origin 2? No, so so Origin Two was on the Wednesday. Uh, Origin Two was on the Wednesday. Sorry, no, or- Origin One. Sorry, was when he started. So he got you know match payments. You get thirty grand for that. The day before that was Melbourne Cup. He hit the winner and he won forty grand. So he won seventy k in two days, and he played fifteen minutes of footy. The lucky bastard, unbelievable. Yeah, and like I, th- I think, yeah, I think sort of rounding back to like the the seven talk. Like I think, like I've heard you say over this week, like everyone's so caught up on stats. And before Wednesday last week, everyone's saying Nathan Cleary's a flop in Origin. And he's not a flop at all. Like. It's not his, like, yes, as a half, it's your job to create points and be the polish, but you've also got a hooker, a six and a one. Like, it's my job to get us into position to score. It's the winger's job to score, not mine. It's just my job to get us here. Short memories, mate. The shortest memories. People have them in rugby league. It's unbelievable. <laughs> mate, we've got the decider um, on tonight, obviously. And, mate, take me back to game one. What were your thoughts on the first game? <sighs> mate, in my opinion, uh, the first game, when the sides all got announced, I know Freddie picked bits and play, like players here and there, four players here, six players there. His team sort of got knocked out as the season went along. But in my opinion, how David Clement does not make that side has got me beat. I know that people, it sort of came out that him and Freddie had a bit of a bit of a riff and a bit of a, um, like they said he had a bit of a bad attitude leading into camp. But from David Clement's perspective, mate, show me a bad game from Clem. Honestly. I think he's the best front row in New South Wales have had since since Blocker Roach. In my like, he hits it up. Like he's got that dog in him. Like I heard you say about Nathan Brown, he's tough as has the first hit up, has the third hit up. Last year breaks his arm 
plays the whole first half in the first game, doesn't play game two, comes back early and only gets picked because Tarek Sims gets suspended. Give me a bad game from David Clemmer before that, plays with a broken arm. Got the shits because Freddie, Freddie hasn't picked him. I, I kind of feel bad for David Clem. I think I'd probably be dragging my lip too. So out of the current squad that Freddie's had for this series, which front rowers, you know, in your opinion, haven't done their job that you would have taken out for Clemmer? Because, mate, I think they've all been really solid. And I agree with you. Clemmer's a fantastic player. He's definitely an origin caliber player. But, I mean, I'm not sure if there's any front rowers I could take out of this side, to be honest with you. What are your thoughts? I, um, I, I completely agree, mate. And, when, when Daniel Saifidi got picked last year, I think everyone went, Saifidi? Like, what's he done? Like, the only highlight Saifidi's ever had is when he nearly punched on with the Burgess brothers two years ago. And I think that's how he got his starts. He looked like he had a bit of mongrel. Mate, two years ago, he was coming off the bench for Newcastle. No one even really knew who he was. Mate, yeah, he, like, if I big... had both of them standing in front of me, Jacob and Daniel, I wouldn't have been able to tell you which one was which then, without no, a doubt. No, And to be completely honest, mate, like, I think none of them deserve to be dropped and like they've all done well like Payne House was obviously a lot better in game two starting and I think I personally would have had Junior Paulo off the bench just for his late offload footwork um, I think he's better suited in origin to coming off the bench you let Payne House and Safiti smash it for the first 20-25 minutes obviously Paulo's got the big motor there for, um, for, for the middle part of the game but I think you drop any of the forwards but in my opinion Clint You've got to have Clemmer. Like, someone misses out. Like, Clemmer's never had a bad game. And like I said, played the whole game one, the whole first half. He played the whole 40 minutes. I know he didn't come back on. The whole 40 minutes, mate, with a broken arm. Like, I know everyone carries on. Um, I think it was Shane Webke broke his arm. He was doing push-ups in the grand final um, to, to play. But, like, Clemmer came back early and he didn't get picked because he picked Tarek Sims. And he's like, oh, okay. Like, everything... And I know you're not entitled to your jersey. You have to earn it. But you need to go say over the last three or four years since Clem has played, mate, he's earned his jersey. Like, he is the best front rower. He, he played for Australia last year, and he's in number eight, and Josh Rapali's number 10. And how you play, like, how you make the Australian side, but not your, not your state side? How, how does that work? I'll tell you what, mate. The, the one thing I will say about Freddie and – He's not stubborn, so he, he'll admit when he made a mistake and he'll make a change. So I, I look at that game one and, you know, it was obvious that, he, you know, as you said, he should have used Junior Paulo on the bench. He had to start Payne Haas. He made that change. I mean, you look at Cody Walker last year, he dropped him from game one. And to be honest with you, I yep. thought there is not a hope in hell Cody Walker ever pulls on a blue jersey again after last again. year. I thought it was done. And, you know, yep. he played himself back into that team. And, I mean, mate, to be honest with you, as long as Freddie's getting, you know, they're, they're lifting the shield. I mean, I agree you with you. Clemmer's definitely him. up to standard, but there's obviously something that Clemmer isn't doing. There's obviously an attitude or there's something there that Freddie doesn't like to have in the squad, and I don't know what it is. And, mate, at the end of the day, Freddie, he's a pretty rogue little character, let's be honest here. You know, he's he's got them walking around with their, with their shoes off and whatnot. He is a little bit yeah. out there, so it might <laughs> be something. a little bit different, eh? A little bit different, yeah. but, mate, it works. And if, they're, yeah. if there is something a little bit obscure about Clemmer, I mean... Yeah, I don't know. I'd, I'd love and, to and, hear... And, and what... like, it, it is hard, mate, because like, I obviously don't see him behind the scene. I see mm. him play 80 minutes each yeah. week, and that's it. He could be a complete tosser off the field, and like he might be the best, but I don't know. But there's obviously something that's rubbed Freddie the wrong way, or they've had a bit of a argument, or what, whatever it is. And, like, mm. you know, he, he might be a top bloke. He also might be, um, yeah, a little bit of... Oh, have a bit of a sulk here and there, and I think Freddie's going, well, if you're going to sulk, see you later, mate, because we'll just bring Safiti straight in. <laughs> 
Yeah, but and, I think, and I think like if you look at Cody Walker, the way that he went out of that team last year, like that was a media storm for three weeks. Oh man! And, and Walker had to off. earn his stripes back this year and show him that he's the sort of footballer he needs in this side. And now he's back there. Like I just think whatever, whatever Freddie's problem is with Clemmer, there's no way that Freddie's just put the red sharpie through him. I don't think. I, I think whatever Clemmer's got to fix in Freddie's opinion, if he was to do it, I think Freddie would have him back in there. But one of these other front rowers, they have to put a foot wrong first, and they're, they're all just yeah. doing a job for Freddie. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, I think going back to just sort of looping back to game one, like, I think, in my opinion, it was the same thing as last year. And it's like rugby league's a very, very simple game. You have big forwards and you go forward. And I know Origin, it's leaning more towards, I hear you say, the, the ball playing lock role, like your small sort of agile, your Victor Radley's, your Cam Murray's, your Trevojevic's. But in my opinion, Origin's a different beast, mate. You've got to go forward. And I know we had Payne Haas on the bench, but regardless of the fact Cam Murray gets injured or not, we had a small bench. Like we had Payne Haas, um, we had Payne Haas, Cody Walker, um, Murray, and who who else? Sorry, I can't remember. who. Was, Dale Finucane wasn't in the side, no. so... Um, had... Should anyway. blank here, yeah. Anyway, continue. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, was, it, was a, it, was, it was a small bench, mate. Like Payne Haas comes on and everyone says Luke Keary... And Nathan Keery flopped. Uh, Luke, Luke Angus Crichton it was, mate. Angus, Angus Crichton. Angus Crichton. Yeah. yeah. Luke Keery and Nathan Cleary flopped. Mate, we couldn't get over halfway. Mm. We, you, you go back and watch game one. We couldn't get over halfway, and that's not that's not uh, that's not Luke Keery's fault. We we had one front roller on the field, Payne Haas. Just rolling Lindsay Collins. They're rolling Joy Arrow. They're rolling Josh Papali. They're rolling Christian Welsh. I know you've got to have a, a mobile forward pack, but you got to go forward. You've got to go forward. I know we spoke about halfbacks before. They, 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 they're the polish, but you can't do polish unless you go forward. And in my opinion, we had a small bench. Like if you put if you put uh, Luke Keary in game two, I think he plays well. I think Luke Keary was hard done by. You go back and watch the first game. We scored off Nathan. Uh, when I'm um, sorry, not Nathan. When Cookie. Um, kicks the ball through and regathers. You go three plays back. He shows and goes, throws the dummy, pokes his nose through. Quick play the ball. We go upfield. Cookie gets the ball, kicks through and scores. Mate, but, I, I honestly think I would have backed myself in uh, with that pack going forward the way they were in game two. They were absolutely incredible, mate. And then they roll into game game two. And it was obviously unfortunate for Cam Murray because I think he gets picked every day of the week. But off the bench, we've got Dale, Dale Finucane. Like, I know I know you're really big on he plays 13, but he's a front row. I think he's a front row too. You've got Dale Finucane. You've got Junior Polo. You've got Angus Crichton. You've got Isaiah Yo. That's nothing but go forward. Mm. And look what happened in game two. It's right. a fair shout, yeah. We go through and put 30 points on them. One, we couldn't get over halfway. Like, in my opinion, what's the difference? We had no forwards. We virtually had the same back line. And yeah, Cody Walker came on in, in the last 15 minutes and we looked dangerous. But the game was gone. The game was gone. He Like, we'll throw on Hail Marys, to be honest. Like, not maybe not so much Hail Marys, but you've got to go forward. Like, you, and in my opinion, like, Dale Finucane, how he didn't play game one, I don't know if he had a niggle after the grand final, but he's just built for origin, that bloke. I hear you say he's got it written across his forehead. He he should play he should play every state of origin game that he's capably fit to. He he kind of reminds me of Badly Clyde. You go back and watch game two, Queensland kick, he's the first forward back hitting it up. Yeah. He'd hit it off he'd hit it off the kickoff, and then he'd have the third or fourth one. He loves it, mate. He's a dog. He's got the work rate. He he just goes all day, that bloke. And I think that I think that's what that's what impacted us in game one. We had no forwards, especially with Cam Murray. 
going off as well. Like I think like origins are different beats, regardless of it's Ken Murray or Teddy, it doesn't matter. You go from 17 on 17 to 17 on 16, all interchange is out of whack. Jake Jovojevic plays more minutes. Angus Crichton plays more minutes. Our starting front row play more minutes. We'd have another middleman coming through. Not just that, Cam Murray. Quick play the balls. Cookie loves that. Injuries, like, you can't really predict it. But I think if we had another forward on the bench, I think that would have been the difference. Mate, obviously uh, playing down in Sydney, having a big forward pack, I think it's definitely, I think it's definitely a bigger advantage in Sydney. And, I mean, heading up to Suncorp, once again, a completely different beast up there. You see game three playing out. <laughs> I think, I actually, I actually don't know. I think on paper, I know game's not one on paper, but like, like this is no discredit to the Queensland side, but let's be honest, they're a reserve grade side. Like, they, that team wouldn't beat any team in the NRL, you know, bar maybe one or two. Like, I know there's a few good players in there. You've got Muncie, you've got Cherry Evans, you've got Harry Grant, you've got Papali. Like, they do have good players, but let's be gag guy. Like, but I think they obviously lift when they go to another level, like at Suncorp. They're going to have 50,000 Queenslanders there screaming. It's worth I eight think, points, I reckon. Yeah. I think if Queensland go 10-0 up, I think they're hard to beat. Yeah. I think if, I think if we start well, I think if we, if we start well and go with them, that I think the game, I know it, it, it's a typical, it'll be one in the last 10 minutes in the first 10 minutes. But I think the first 20 minutes is the most important part of the game. If we go up 18-0 in the first 20 minutes, silence them. Bad. I know Queensland come back, look at game one, we're up 10-0, they come back. But I think if we're up 18-0, the, um, like with, the, with the confidence we got out of game two, like just putting them to the sword, like I heard your your podcast last week, game one and two of this series is so unbelievably freakish to last year. Mm. I think if we can go up 14-0 half-time, I think we're very hard to run down. It's a dry track. Like we just just throw the pill around and just play footy. But I think um, I think the Blues will get the job done. Like I'm true blue as much as anyone, mate. Like I, I'll back those boys to the day I die. But I just generally think like Queensland – Queensland beat us in game one and we're like, we were trash. We were terrible. And like the, they, they beat us. The scoreboard said four points. It wasn't four points. And like Queensland played great that night and we played crap. And the scoreboard said they beat us by four points. We play half decent, mate. We did them by like 26 points last week. So if New South Wales play a seven out of 10, I don't think they can beat us. Mate, I'll tell you the one thing I am worried about. I was at game three last year and it was, you know, 20 all at the back end of the game and it was our home game. It's a massive advantage. If it's 10 all, 16 all, 20 all in the last 10 minutes up in Suncorp, I must tell you I'm a little bit worried. It's just got yeah, Munster or Val Holmes. Zone, or it's, it's just got someone written all over it to stand up. It's just got Queensland written all over it, doesn't it? I would be worried if it's close in yeah. the last 10 minutes. Yeah. And and I think as well, like, um, like up there – like everyone talks about the refs and the advantage. Let, let's be honest. You get a home ground advantage. It doesn't matter what anyone says. Yep. And the refs will deny that. And like, of course they're going, they're going to come out and say we favor them at home, but mate, it's 10 to go. We're down by two. We're not getting a penalty coming off our trial. We're going to get belted. <laughs> like we're not, we're not going to get the penalty. Um, if you don't mind, mate, sorry, just going back a step. I wouldn't mind linking into game two. I know everyone was talking about Cleary and how great he was. I went back and watched game two, mate. And I think a very underrated achiever, very similar to David Klemmer, but mate, Tyson Frizzell in game two was an absolute weapon, mate. 
the hit-ups that he ran, like he, he hit up and the tackles he made, not even to mention he got split and came back with stitches in his eye. Mate, Nathan Cleary kicks downfield and the, that, that was when the ball bounced. And I went back and watched that and I was like, okay, Nathan Cleary had a good kicking game. It was the Fox running down, running down. But when they dragged Philip Sammy out, Tyson Frizzell was the one that hit him, held the impact and dragged him out. He went superhuman, didn't and he? And still to today, I haven't... He hit him and hit him with everything, held him up, and dragged everyone. And Nathan Cleary got Nathan Cleary got the um, the the plaudits, mate. So the first thing I got taught in rugby league when I started when I was five, a kick is only as good as its chase. Tyson Frizzell in that game, mate, was an absolute weapon. It came up on the TV whilst he was getting split. Thirteenth consecutive game for New South Wales. Show me a game where he's played bad, mate. He, he honestly, he's, he's been our most round. consistent player for the last five or six years. He's been sensational, Tyson Frizzell, and he unfortunately Absolutely. he never plays that see? nine out of ten game, but he plays eight out of ten every single game, and it's it sort of makes him fly every under the radar. Game. Yeah, he's, every game, and I see people write on Facebook like, you know, come Origin time, everyone's putting their starting seventeen up. Everyone's putting their starting seventeen. So many blokes are like, oh, Frizzell, what's he done all year for St. George? What's he done? Why is he in the side? Mate, don't worry about St. George. Go back and show me a bad game he's played for the Blues. He's an origin what's the player. Queensland famous, what's the Queensland famous saying? Stick and pick. Oh, pick and stick. Yep. How many times has Queensland has pulled blokes out of a side? And you're like, him? What's he done? Come on, go man of the match, mate. Like, Frizzell for me, like Freddie, I, I remember listening to Freddie last year. He said, Boyd Corden is the first bloke picked because he's the captain. He said Tyson Frizzell is the second bloke picked every single game, every single year. He said, I pick him before James Tedesco. He is incredible, Tyson Frizzell. I think he is. I think he's going to be an absolute steal up there at Newcastle. Oh, agreed. Yep. He's going there. They've got Ponga. Blake Green's there again next year. He got released from the Doggies. They've got Clemmer. They've got Safiti. Jaden Braley's coming back off his ACL. I think Knights are a real dark horse next year, mate. And I know, obviously, uh, as well, like Edric Lee got told today he's making his debut. What confidence he's going to get from playing in the Origin Arena? And, mate, I know we've already touched on Clemmer, but, mate, he's going to come into next season pissed off that he's missed this Origin series. He's probably going to be a little Absolutely. bit embarrassed. He's going to rip in. Absolutely. And another bloke I rate there up at Newcastle that goes under the radar, gets his rap, second row, Lachlan Fitzgibbon. Yeah. He just does his job week in, week out. Runs a good crash ball, runs a short ball, runs a line, plays big minutes. Like, I think Newcastle, if they can click, and I, I know everyone's said Caelan Pong has had a quiet 18 months, but, like, I think if they can click, and obviously Pearcey, another year old, another year experience, leading them around. Blake Green is the best thing to happen to Mitchell Pearce. Mm. Like, I think Newcastle can give it a good shake, mate. Like, if they get a home semi final in Newcastle on a Saturday night, no one's beating them. They're going to their grand final, mate, if they get a home semi in Newcastle. And, mate, I, I think the best thing about Newcastle is, I mean, like, if we were to go through their starting lineup now, I'm not sure if Kurt Mann's in there. I don't know where Connor Watson is. I'm not sure if Mitch Barnett's there. They're, every single position, they are covered with a, yep. you know, a a like a bloke that is well and truly a, an established first grader. They're in a really good first spot. First grader. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, Kurt Mann, like, this year he played centre... Five. I know he started in the six jersey. Yep. Played. He played hooker for the last for the last like eight weeks. Bit of fullback. Bit of utility. Like he's another bloke. I've heard you say it. You pick your best seventeen and find a position for him. And yep. like, mate, he he gets picked every week. Connor Watson, same thing. Fullback, five eight, dummy half. Like you've got to have him. Yep. Like how can how can you not? Like I think 
I think Newcastle will go okay. I know they've let Sione Matadia go. He's gone over to England this week. He, he's he's gone over there. But like, I think I think they're going to be hard to beat, mate, at home next year. If Caelan Ponner comes back from his shoulder and and Blake Green comes back from his ACL and the hooker as well, Brayley, like, I think they'll be hard to beat. Like Newcastle this year, like, you'd near argue that they got the most rough end of the stick, mate. Like, how many players did they go mm. through? Like, they get McCulloch down, snaps his Achilles. After signing Jaden Braley, does an ACL. They get Blake Green after three weeks, starts hitting form, does his ACL. Like, and mate, also that, the, the amount of injuries they had in crucial moments in games too. Like, I, I remember the Connor yeah. Watson. That was in the first ten minutes of footy. I remember that that game against Penrith. They had the draw. They had a heap of injuries real early. Like, like injuries are unlucky, but when they had them, was it was brutal. <laughs> yeah, like like you said, the first ten minutes, like. It just instantly affects the whole game. You go from 17 to 16. It goes from 17 to 16. It's probably a a different topic for another day, but what's your thoughts on having the 18th man come in if there's an injury? You're exactly right. It it is another topic for another day. It's a big one, but I I, I do like it. I just... I think there has to be a limit, though. Yeah, I I worry that teams will... And I mean, you know, I don't want to be that guy, but... Mate, the, the amount of oh, mate, the Come amount of front rowers that have a HIA in the twenty fifth minute, wow! Like you can't tell me mate, these coaches was, aren't taking advantage of it. I can't remember what game it was or what even player it was. I think it might have been. Oh, it, it was a grand final. It was a grand final. Um, I can't remember who hit who, but mate, he got absolutely chopped in half. I can't even remember which team it was. All the players, like my bad. Mm. Um, the player got absolutely chopped in half. Like, he got folded like a deck chair. Nothing wrong with the bloke. Just winded. Goes off a HIA. Didn't even get hit. Didn't get hit above the shoulders. Oh, HIA, because he's winded. Like, come on. Mate, I, I, I often find with South Sydney, you can set your watch to a Burgess HIA between the 20th and the 30th <laughs> minute. It is and it unbelievable. It. Yeah, and I mean, mate, as bad as it is... If you can get away with it, you're crazy not to do it as a coach. Why not? Why not? It's... Mate, as a Parramatta supporter, Tim Menno used to go off every week. Yeah. yeah. Tepai Moroa, same thing. And, mate, that's like... the only thing I worry about with the 18th man. For example, if I'm Newcastle and I've got Connor Watson as my 18th man, mate, I'm telling Jacob Saifiti, if I need a bit of spark, mate, fall over, do something, pretend you're injured, you know, get in a stink, do something, and then you can start. That's the only thing I'm worried about. And the smart coaches, uh, you know, as crazy as it sounds, they will do it without a doubt. Yeah. But I, I think it has to come into a play. Like, I think if, I think, like, if you just go off for your assessment, 18th man doesn't come on. But if you get ruled out of the game within the first 15 minutes, I think, boom, that's it. Because even if you go up to half time. Mate, who loves who doesn't love a cheeky front row coming off five minutes before half time just yeah, give exactly. them a little break? Yeah. Mate, Mate it's hard to do. The There's 15, a lot of a lot of variables first, to it. First fifteen minutes, if you go up to catch a bomb as a fullback and you get absolutely cleaned up and break your arm, like that's not you gotta play the next sixty five minutes with no fullback. Mm. Like, let alone one less bloke on the bench. I think within the first fifteen minutes, like it's obviously gotta be you know, it's not going to be 15 minutes. Maybe it is half time or whatever it is. Like, like I said, it's probably a conversation for another day. But in my opinion, I think it's, I think it's a, it's not a bad shout to have an 18th man come in if a player is injured, slashed, not able to return to the field from foul play, defined foul play. That's a bit of a tricky one. But if you're coming over the top and absolutely clean some bloke up, swinging arm, that's foul play. But if you hit some bloke. And he sort of goes down. You accidentally hit him in the jaw. Like, 
that, like there's a difference between a penalty and a penalty. I think we all know that. And you're like, mate, come on. It was hitting him. He was ducking. He was going low. I've, I've, I've gone to made a tackle. Like, yes, I've connected, but I haven't lined him up from 15 meters away and put on a shoulder charge and absolutely murdered the bloke. I think there's, there has to be some sort of ruling. Mm. And obviously, like, like the ruling in the NRL is a joke. Another topic for another day is the whole obstruction. It's like, mate, you've either ran behind him or you haven't. Like, it's not that hard. But I think, like, the, I, I think the 18th man is, is like, I think, it's, I think it's, it's not a bad topic. And you're not going to have an 18th and a 19th man because one will just be a forward and one will be a back to cover. You just have an 18th man. And if it's your fullback that gets injured and you've got a front row as your 18th man, tough luck. Well, if you've got a utility, that's great. But next week, you might lose a second rower. And then you've only got your little 5-8 to go on. But it's the way the cookie crumbles, man. In my opinion, I think I, I think it's worth it. Because there's nothing worse as a fan than seeing... Like, I'm a para fan. So there's nothing worse than seeing Mitch Moses get absolutely cleaned up from a second rower, come out and smash him. And then we go off and we don't have a halfback for the game. Let alone 17 players on the field. It's like, come on. Like, yeah. like there's got to be some... There's got to be some sort of... And it's my it's my favorite and least favorite thing about rugby league is that Vlandis will come up with a sensational rule around what you're saying and it'll look it'll look absolutely bulletproof and then rugby league the king of gray areas will come up <laughs> with some form of situation where it was kind of high it was in the 15th minute and the 30th second and do they lose that player do they get him back I just think yeah. rugby league mate it's so you can't predict it you can't expect no. anything it's just and- but I love the idea. Yeah. And another another thing, in my opinion, is another topic for another day is the whole judiciary system. Mm. Is it a grade one, two, or three? In my opinion, there's no one, two, or three. You either hit him high or you haven't. There was was there intent there? Well, there might not have been intent, but you've knocked his front teeth out. Like, like, come on! Like, you either hit him high or you haven't. And I don't get suspended because I saw a video of someone else doing a spear tackle from three years ago and he only got a grade two. So I must be a grade one. Like you've speared a bloke. It doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter if you throw a punch these days. If you throw a punch, you're gone. It doesn't matter if you've thrown a haymaker or an uppercut. A punch is a punch. If you clean some bloke up high, you've cleaned him high. It doesn't matter how you've done it, but you've done it. That's a fair shout, mate. Braden, mate, fan is short for Fnatic. It's been fantastic having you on. Tell me before you go, give me a score prediction for the decider. Ooh, mate, I think uh, 22-10 to the Blues, and I'll take a cheeky Josh Adokar first try scorer. Man in the match? Ooh, I think Teddy's up for a big one, being the captain, led the boys to game two. I think, mate, what what he did, like I said, game one, he ran for 300 metres. Game two, plays another blinder. Under the radar, mate, game three, I think Adokar will score one, and I think Teddy will score two, man in the match. Mate, great minds think alike. I dropped my preview podcast this morning. I've got Fox first try. I've got Teddy Man of the Match. Sensational. Oh, really? Yeah. That's I, the I actually took Fox to score two. So we'll see how we go, mate. It's been a pleasure having you yeah, on, you mate. Um, fan is short for Fnatic. You know, you're footy inside out. You're obviously still involved with the game to some extent at the real, you know, the real, real grassroots level, mate. And it's fantastic to have people like you in the game. Perfect. No worries, mate. Thanks for having me. Catch up again soon. See you later, brother. <laughs>